Oh, that was good, amen? Boy, what a way to kick things off. Well, I tell you what, we're going to have Brother Houston come. Uh, I trust that you heard him this morning. If not, you're going to get a good full dose of him tonight. We're looking forward to what the Lord has in store for us. Let's open our hearts and our ears and let God do a miracle in our lives tonight. Okay, thank you. Amen. Well, good to see you in the house of the Lord this evening. Thanks for being here. Amen. I love church. Amen. You love church? Amen. The Bible says Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Amen. 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 He's talking about the local church. They can't assemble any place but a local church right now. Amen. Amen. One of these days we'll be in the body of the church of the firstborn in heaven, but right Amen. now it's the local church. Amen. 
Amen. Brother, uh, Brother O'Donnell and I just didn't figure out some way to uh, take your hours up on Sunday. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Let me tell you something. The, the, the church is the bride of Christ. I'd be careful how you treated Christ's bride. And you stop and think for a moment. This is Christ's bride, blood bought. Amen. It's his body. And don't take church lightly. Don't abuse the church. Don't be abusing the members of the body of Christ. Because what you do to them, you're doing to Christ. Amen? Amen. Woo, already on conviction, it looks like. Amen? <laughs> if you'll smile, I won't think I got a coon treat. Amen? <laughs> Amen. Be in the house of God. Hebrews chapters 10, 20, verse 25 says, and, and not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as a manner some is, but exhorting one another and so much more as see the day approaching. We never read verse 26, which says, but if, for if we sin willfully, for referring to what was just said, for if we sin willfully after the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sin. Missing church is a willful sin. There are some folks maybe providentially hindered, but most people that don't come to church don't come because they choose to. They exercise their will. And the Bible says we shouldn't forsake the assembling ourselves together as a matter of some is. And so much the more we see the day approaching, we're getting closer to the Lord's return. And he says, for if we sin willfully... After we receive the knowledge of the truth, now you know you shouldn't miss church. You have no more excuse. There remaineth no more sacrifice for sin. He goes on to say, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fire indignation, which shall devour the adversary. Think about that for a moment. He says, when you miss church, I have a fiery indignation about that. Such an indignation that I'm going to have the same indignation that's going to devour the adversary, the devil. Goes on to say, he that despised Moses' law uh, was, uh, was stoned a- after, after two or three witnesses. How much sore punishment shall, suppose, shall he be thought worthy of who hath trodden underfoot the blood of Christ? Yes, amen. And hath done despite unto the Spirit of God, grace. The word despite means to disrespect. I'm preaching to the choir tonight because you're here. But I want to tell you something. It's very important to God that if you as a body of this church that you're here every time the doors are open. He designed the church so that you could be edified and encouraged and rebuked and reproved and exhorted. And he called, he gave, he gave the ministerial gifts to certain men. Doesn't make them any better than anybody because everybody has a gift. Amen. But he gave the ministerial gifts so that you'd have uh, pastors, evangelists, preachers, and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. So God gave you this body here to help you to become a perfect Christian. Now, will you ever be perfect? No, but you will get more and more mature as you stay in church. Amen. You know, uh, God God has chosen the foolishness of preaching. I love preaching. I love doing it, but I love hearing it. And what preaching does is preaching stirs us and makes us makes us respond. Amen. Amen. So I just thought I'd throw that out. I don't know why. It's just on my heart. And so I thought I'd throw it out there. You know, uh, uh, we need churches like this. You have a great church here. You know that? This is a great church. Have you realized this? I don't think you have. But if you go over to the United States, you'll find a lot of people love to have what you have here. I just came out of a church that had six people. Pastor's wife, both working full time. Little town. Doesn't make them any less church than you, but I'm guaranteed they'd sure like to have a choir like you got. They'd sure like to have special music like you got. They'd sure love to have, be able to do the ministries that you can do. Amen. Amen. 
So just, 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 just don't ever, don't ever, don't ever, don't ever, don't ever, don't ever take for granted what God's given you here. Love it. There are, there are five things killing our churches or hindering our churches today. Let me give them to you. Number one is doctrine. You know, uh, we got a lot of independent Baptists that have quit being independent Baptists. And many of them are just motivated by their own desire to be big instead of right. But in some cases, it's because God's people want them to change. Let me make a statement that will help you here. There are, there are a lot of things in the Bible I don't like. I, I, don't, like, I don't like soul. I don't like the, uh, that God has commanded me to go soul winning personally because I'm a coward. Any cowards here? And so I know he's commanded me. So just because you know, I don't like it doesn't mean I don't have to go. So I, here's what I do is grab myself by the back of the neck and I kick myself in the seat of the pants. Amen. <laughs> That's pretty good, isn't it? Can you do that? Well, just because I don't like it doesn't mean I, have, I don't have to do it. And just because you might not like sanctification and separation, just because you might not like that, uh, that God tells you, thou shalt not and thou shalt, just because you don't like commandments, doesn't mean you need a pressure preacher to change. Amen. And if your preacher changes, well, boy, you're in trouble. Amen. Find another church to go to. But that man's not changing. I'll guarantee you that. Second thing killing our churches is division. Division. We're to be of one mind. We're of one heart. We're to speak the same things. Only by pride comes contention. There should be no division in the body of Christ. We're to love one another as Christ loved the church. As he loved us. Now, will we have some differences? Of course we will, but they don't need to become divisions. And well, I, I got offended. Well, the Bible says we offend all. Can I help you here? You're going to offend somebody at some time too. When you get offended, you don't leave the church. You don't cause a strife. Good Sunday school lesson this morning. If you were here in the adult class, you'd have heard it. There's a proper way. If somebody's offended you, you go to the brother and say, Brother, you've offended me. If he's any kind of Christian at all, he'll say, Man, I'm sorry. If he's not much of a Christian, he bows his neck. You can take two or three witnesses with you. Now, come on, brother, let's get this right. By the way, could I just say this to you? In the Lord's Prayer, he says, Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. You don't even need to have somebody apologize to you. Just forgive them. Just forgive them. Just tell my folks, you don't need to come and ask me for forgiveness. I forgive you the moment you did it. Because if I don't, he won't forgive my trespasses. A lot of people in our church is holding grudges and bitterness, and you think God's forgiving you of your sins, you're wrong. He'll never forgive you until you forgive that person that you've got ought against. We could have some revival if people get over each other. We'd bury some hatchets and start loving each other. Amen. Division is killing our church. Number three, dereliction is killing our churches. What's dereliction? Not doing your duty. Did you know everybody in here was given a gift? And you're going to use that gift to profit with all. That means to profit the whole body. So every person in here, God has put you here to do a specific job in this church. And if you're not doing anything except just sitting, then you're kind of hurting the church. Right, amen. He said somebody's the eye, somebody's the hand, somebody's the foot. So we got eyes that won't see. So we're trying to see with one eye. If both eyes won't see, we're walking around like blind people. We got a hand and an arm that won't work. We got a foot and a leg that decide they won't work. And so here's the way the church is operating. Right. Everybody get doing their business. We could get something done, Amen. If I could count the number of saved people here tonight in this auditorium and all of us would go out and tell somebody about Jesus tomorrow, what would happen in Akron? If all of us brought one person to church next week, what would happen to this church? What are you doing? Another thing killing our church is called desertion. I hate church hopping. Amen. Amen. 
Look, I know there's got to be enough independent Baptist churches here in Akron that if you get your feelings hurt about something, you can just go over there. But that's not what you're supposed to do. Amen. Amen. <laughs> so I got offended, and here goes the eyeball. <laughs> I got offended, there goes the hand. Well, there goes the foot. I don't, I don't doubt. Listen, I believe it's all my heart. God, God is in control of our lives whether we know it or not. And you're not here tonight just because you chose to be. You're not here tonight by accident. The great hand that God said, we need an eye in that church and we need a nose in it. By the way, somebody's got to be the nose hairs. <laughs> Disgusting, Brother Houston. Trail, tell your lungs to live without them. And some of us, we don't want to do anything and we desert because nobody appreciates me. I'm just the nose hairs. God appreciates you. We all appreciate you. I tell you what, I appreciate you coming back and listening to me preach. Anybody comes back and listens to me preach after the first time, I'm, I thank God for them. Amen? Last thing killing our churches is dollars. And I don't know that that's an issue here. It doesn't look to be. But I want you to be careful about your money and, and how you look at it. Can I say this to you? The tithe is the Lord's. That's not your money. And let me just make this statement. Try to help you. I'm trying to help you. Everybody smile real big. I was trying to help you. I'm not trying to hurt you. Once you give your money to the church, it's not yours either. Well, I just don't like the way you're spending my money. Ain't your money. It's the Lord's money. Now, I'm not talking about fiscal irresponsibility or embezzling. I'm not talking about you don't need to know what's going on. I'm simply saying, folks, you understand something. The tithe is the Lord's and you don't give it to him, you're a robber. And it's his, so, you know, don't get all upset about it that that they're using it for his work because that's what they're supposed to do with it. The church is not supposed to be a CD. It's not supposed to be a 401k. It's supposed to be a clearinghouse of God's money to do God's work. Amen? Amen. Now let me just say one more thing and I'll get into the message, I think. This made me, I don't know. I, I just do all this until I figure out what God wants me to preach. Now I'm going to meddle here, but don't get mad at me, okay? It seems not to bother us today in America to, to, to pay $65,000 for a pickup truck. But if we need to be asked to give $20 a week more to missions, can I help you with something? Listen to me. Listen, you got to get this. The average income of the world is $7,000 annually. Average, you take what everybody makes, divide it by the number of people. This is this will blow your mind. The median income of the world, how do you get medium? You put the highest person up here, and you put the lowest person here, and then you count how many are between, find the middle. The median income of the world is $1,700 annually. Are you listening? One half of the world's population lives on $1,700 or less a year. And to whom much is given, shall much be required. So don't let any of those things cause your church to be hurt, okay? Shake your heads up and down with me, will you? (laughs) Smile a while, give your face a rest. (laughs) Uh, Happy is the people whose God is the Lord. Are you a happy person? If you're not happy, get happy. Well, you know what I'm going through. No, God knows what you're going through. And he said, rejoice evermore. 
Amen. I tell you what, I quit asking Christians how they feel. I got tired of hearing it. Oh, oh, can't be that bad. <laughs> we got a bunch of Eeyore Christians. Amen. Well, how about we have revival this week? Be present. Ask the Lord to guide me. Ask God to work in your heart and, and commit to coming to the altar when he speaks to you. What is revival? Revival is classified as a bringing back to life or a renewal I like the spiritual awakening definition. It's an awakening to spiritual concerns. What are spiritual concerns? Everything in that Bible. We come awakened to what the Bible teaches, what the Bible says, what the Bible expects. Because we have a tendency to not, uh, not pay attention to it. We have a tendency to use the Bible as a smorgasbord. Are you listening? The whole Bible is true. Every word of God is pure. Amen. God has said that He has established it forever. The Bible says He has exalted His word above His name. And we have the idea that, well, there's some things in here I don't like, so I don't have to take them. Well, you can do that at a smorgasbord with food, but we can't do that with God. If we want to have revival, we got to decide, I'm going to live by the teachings of this book right here. Whether it's easy or not, whether I like it or not, I'm going to get right with God. I'm going to live by it. Amen. Can I tell you, now listen to me, I miss all my heart. I'm the worst Christian I know because I don't know you. That's John's truth. As far as I know, everybody in here, you're perfect. That's why I'm having trouble preaching to you. I think we got a perfect church here and I don't know what to preach. But I know what I am. I live every day with me, every second with me, every minute of my life. And I know what goes on in here. I know what goes on in here. I know what I'm supposed to do that I don't do. I know what I'm not supposed to do that I do. Can I tell you something, dear friend? I'm going to tell you something. I, I, I I, I don't know what you are, but I know what I am. I thank God he saves old sinners, amen. And I thank God he's merciful, amen. Let me just, I'm I'm going to preach here in a minute, I think. There are two objects a Christian can use. They both have a round head and a handle. One is called the magnifying glass, and one is called the mirror. Which one do you use? Well, let me take that magnifying glass. Let me see if I can find that little bitty speck in this guy's Christianity. Or I can go like James 1 says, be doers of word, not hearers only. When I read the book, I can let it become a mirror, says to me, Ted, you're not soul winning like you should. Ted, you're not praying like you ought to. Ted, do you understand what God says to you about holy living? You understand what he says about the lust of the heart and the mind? You understand? I say, yes, Lord. I look in the mirror and I see. I don't like what I see. I haven't got time to be running around inspecting everybody else. We'll never have revival as long as we're inspecting everybody else instead of looking at the mirror. So don't come here and say, well, that, that old brother, old brother uh, Sells, he sure needed that message. He needs all of them. But don't come here doing that. It's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in need of prayer. God, I'm the one. I want you to search me. I want you to know my heart. God, I want you to show me and lead me in the way of righteousness. God, I want you to be thorough with me. How about we have revival? Amen? Amen. Well... Take your Bibles, if you would, this evening. Turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 9. No, we're not going to go there tonight. Turn with me to Psalm 68. While you're turning there, I love these little things. I preach and give you a little humor, humor so you can catch your breath. Amen. A boy entered a grocery store one day and asked for a box of Tide detergent. The grocer asked, what do you want Tide detergent for? The boy said he was going to wash his cat. 
The grocer said, young man, you shouldn't wash your cat with this kind of soap. But the boy insisted it was what he needed and it would be okay. A few days later, the boy returned to the store and the grocer said, how is your cat? He said, oh, he died. The grocer said, I warned you not to wash your cat with that Tide detergent. The boy replied, oh, the washing with the Tide didn't hurt him a bit. It was the spin cycle that got him. (laughs) So if you're a cat lover, I'm sorry. If you don't like cats and your wife has one, wait till she's gone, put it in the washing machine. Hang it out on the line by the tail, say, I just don't know what happened to it. I'm sorry. And then come to the altar and repent. Amen. (laughs) Well, Psalm 68, verse 19. Lord, I just hope now tonight that I'm going the direction you want me to go. If that's not the case, Lord, you can stop me at any point and we'll change directions. Lord, I, I don't believe in making my own decision. I don't believe in going my own way. And I don't believe that, dear God, we should be so insensitive that if you want us to go a different direction, we wouldn't do that. And Father, tonight, I, I just pray that you use the message. I'm a nobody. I'm nothing. I'm the least of the least. I'm the worst Christian I know. Dear God, when you got me, you didn't get much. And I told you that. I'm glad, God, that you still want to use me. But Lord, I'm certainly unworthy. And tonight I ask you, Father, please, anoint the preaching. Especially, Lord, I'm not worried about uh, what I do. I'm not worried about any accolades. God, I'm concerned about you being able to do what you want to do. And I'm concerned about people getting what they need to get. So, Father, please bless. I beg you, please, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Uh, Psalm chapter 68, with you with me as you'll stand for the reading of God's Word, please. Psalm 68. I'm not going to continue the message tonight on uh, uh, don't miss your opportunities. I just want to say to you, just this week, don't miss your opportunity. Don't miss your opportunity. Anytime you come to church, don't miss your opportunity. Every time you come to church, God has something for you. Just don't miss it. Don't miss it. Don't come to church and just sit there. Come to church and get what God has for you. Amen? Amen. Amen. Don't miss your opportunity. Don't miss your opportunities to lead people to Christ. Now, we'll talk more about this, that this week. Psalm 68 and verse 19, look what the Bible says. Blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits, even the God of our salvation, Selah. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we love you. And Father, please, now, Lord, I, I, you know that I am trying to be sure I follow your will. People, I'm sure, do not understand that, Lord, but... But as a pastor, as a preacher, God, uh, I struggle sometimes. I just want to be sure I'm doing what you want me to do. God, it would be foolish for me to get up here and preach something you don't want preached. So, Father, I'm asking you now that you would confirm to me and that you would now then pour out the Holy Spirit of God and you'd do a work in our lives tonight. And we'll thank you, Lord. I don't deserve anything. I don't deserve it, Lord. I'm asking in the name of your Son, the Lord Jesus, for his sake I pray. Amen and amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I want to speak tonight on the subject, the benefits of the Christian life. The benefits of God. You know, one of the things I think, uh, why we don't have revival, and I think one of the reasons why we're not seeing more people saved, and one of the reasons we don't have the joy of the Lord is that we are, we are not living and aware of His benefits. You know, I don't know, uh, I say this all the time, and when I say this, Brother O'Donnell, I have people look at me very strange. I want to say to you tonight, and I mean this, and I believe this is true of all of us, and you may not like it, but I believe it's true. The only thing Ted Houston deserves is hell. And that's the only thing you deserve. Now, we don't like that. And I tell you, the world doesn't like it especially. And then we righteous, we pharisaical Christians, we get to the place of thinking, you know what? Hey, I'm pretty good. I deserve all this that God's done for me. I'm going to tell you something. I don't deserve anything except hell. I deserve hell because I'm a sinner. And I want to tell you that God in heaven has been so good to us. Amen? Amen. I mean, being here tonight should not be a chore at all after what God's done for us. I mean, anything God asks of us should not be a chore after what God's done for us. I guess one of the things that we've forgotten to do is we've forgotten to be thankful. We've forgotten to rejoice as a preacher preached. We've forgotten to take time to look at how good God has been. Here our psalmist said, Blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits. 
Have you ever thought about how that God daily loads you with benefits? It doesn't say he trickles you with benefits. It said he loads us with benefits. Daily. Daily. There are two types of benefits that we have. First of all, the benefits of creation. The benefits of creation. Do you understand something? You wouldn't even be living if it weren't for God. You know that God gave you life. Everything you have is a gift from God. Are you listening? How we, I'm telling you what, I'm sick and tired of evolution destroying God's goodness. Amen? I'm sick and tired of people believing we came from some scum somewhere. I'm tired of people thinking once I was a monkey hanging from the tree, now I'm a doctor with a Ph.D., In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Go out tonight and look at the heavenly skies and see the stars. And he placed them all in the sky and created that for us. He, he, he created a globe that we can live on that has just the right atmosphere, just the right amount of oxygen, just the right rainfall, has all the material products we need to have a wonderful life. And he said and gave it to us and said, subdue the earth, use it for your goodness. Amen. Just tonight, just do this with me. You didn't do it with me. Do this with me. Where do you think that oxygen came from? Amen. Boy, I tell you what, I got something up here. I'm going to make you all jealous now. Amen. I got some H2O. Woo! Mmm. Where'd that come from? How many of you buffeted your body at noon? We went to the pastor's house and had Mexican buffet. Woo! My favorite food. I make my own salsa. I made salsa in a factory for a, a Mexican fella for a year and a half while I was pastoring. I got the recipe, man. You'd love it. Jalapenos, serranos, and habaneros. The secret is sugar. You taste it, it's so sweet, and then you go... Whoa, that's hot. And I love it. Had a guy in my church have a habanero plant. He'd eat them like they were candy. He'd get other people to eat them. And man, you should have seen them turn purple in every other degree and just about die. He said that plant died from laughing. Amen? (laughs) Can I tell you what you had to eat for today was given to you by God? Hey, how many of you drove a car in here tonight or rode in one? You know that the materials that make those tires was created by God? Did you know that man has never created anything? You know that man has only taken what God has created and used it for his comfort, benefit, and existence. Every good and perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights. It's about time that we stop bellyaching and complaining and being jealous of everybody else and start thanking God for the benefits He loads us with daily. Amen. Every day my heart beats. Maybe. I'm 63 years of age on July 24th. Mark that down. I'll be 64. For 64 wonderful years, God has daily kept my heart beating. For 64 wonderful years, God has daily given me air to breathe. For 64 wonderful years, God has daily given me water, some type of refreshment to drink, food to eat. Hey, the clothes you're wearing tonight came from the materials that God created. I'm telling you what, we need to get back to understanding that our God daily loads us with benefits. The benefits of creation. All those people out there that blaspheme His name, make fun of Him, and and contradictly live uh, 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 in a contradictory life to His Scripture. I got news for them. Everything they have and everything they are was a benefit from God. Amen. 
You know, one of the things that God wanted out of America was that America would give him the fruit that he deserved. You know what the greatest fruit God deserves is? Honor and glory. The reason America is great, because America put God in, in place where he should have been. He was the God. You know, he is the God. All the gods of the nations are idols. There is no other God but Jehovah, El, 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 El Elyon, our God. Amen. Is no other God. Amen. It's about time America woke up to the fact that there is no God but Jesus. They blaspheme his name and they mock his name and they do all that and he's been so good to them. He makes the the rain fall on the just and the unjust, the righteous and the unrighteous. By the way, time and chance happeneth to all. So if 30% get cancer, 30% of Christians are going to get cancer. Hello? And who are you and I to bellyache about what God sends on our life? Even in the midst of all your problems, you can still find God's blessings. I've been battling cancer for six years. I tell you what, I don't, even, I don't think about it much. I'm too busy being grateful for all he's done for me. I was preaching in a prison in Ellsworth, Kansas with Rock of Ages. And on the, first, on the second service in the morning, the chaplain came in and said, I've got a, a music group going to sing for you. And of course, it wasn't prearranged. And of course, you're going like this, you know, in the prison. Oh, man, what do we got? And these six men came in. One of them played a guitar. This guy began to sing. He said, God, I'm so grateful you woke me up this morning. You gave me a place to sleep, food to eat. Can I tell you, there's a bunch of Baptist preachers in there bawling our eyes out. Because we hadn't taken time to say, God, I'm thankful you woke me up this morning. I'm thankful that you gave me food, a place to sleep. Can I tell you, there's two things I try to do first thing in the morning before I get out of bed when my eyes open. I try to look to heaven and say, God, I want you to know I love you today. The greatest commandment is to love God. So the greatest sin is not loving God. Now, smoking, drinking, cussing, chewing are sins, but they're not the greatest sin. The greatest sin is not loving God. I said, God, Father, I want you to know I love you. you. You can condemn me if you want. Then I say, Jesus, I want you to know I love you. And then I say, Holy Spirit, I want want you to know I love you. And then I do this, Brother O'Donnell. I just somehow I feel like I need to prove it to God. So I'll say, God, you know, if I didn't love you, I wouldn't leave my wife for 10 months out of the year. Lord, if I didn't love you, I wouldn't travel all over this country. When I get done telling God I love him, kind of giving my case, you know what I start doing, brother? I want to thank you, Lord, for saving me. I want to thank you, Lord, for never leaving me nor forsaking me. Look at me tonight. You're looking at a prodigal. Look at me tonight. You're looking at somebody who got saved at the age of five. At the age of six, I was introduced to wicked sin, and it took control of my life. At the age of six, I did something at my grandmother's house, and she made this statement to my mom when she came to pick me up. There's something wrong with that boy. He'll be in prison someday. My grandmother was right. There was something wrong with me. An evil, wicked passion got control of me. Well, then you must not have been saved. Get off your high horse. Don't you tell me you're perfect. And when I got in college, I quit going to church altogether. I want to tell you something. He never gave up on me. He never left me nor forsook me. And one day he got a hold of my heart and I came back to him. And then 
I don't understand this. He called me to preach. Lord, how can you call me to preach? How can you use somebody like me? God, you know what I've done. God, you know I'm an introvert. You know all these things. I'm like Moses. I can't do it. And God says, I want to use you. And so I get up in the morning and say, thank you, Lord, that you'd call me to preach. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for saving my wife. Thank you for saving my children. Thank you for the home you've given us. Thank you for all you've done. And I never thank him enough for all he does. But at least I try to be aware of the benefits that God has done for me. Or how many of us go through the whole day complaining? Oh, man. Oh. Hello. Turn with me to Psalm 40 and verse 5. You want to have revival? I don't think we'll have revival until we start learning to count God's blessings. Until we we learn to quit bellyaching and complaining and be content with such things as we have. Please do not misunderstand me. I believe that if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. Amen. And I believe that if you're a man, that you need to take care of your family. And I believe there's nothing wrong with making money. Because God is a capitalist. How do you know that, Brother Houston? Because Solomon looked at life and he said, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, a man's reward is the fruit of his labor. And, you know, I wish every man in this church preacher was a billionaire. Listen to me, I wish all you men were billionaire as long as you put God first and loved him. And if you'd tithe, if you were a billionaire, listen to this, wouldn't this be great? If you were a billionaire, your tithe would be a hundred million a year. How many men in here? <laughs> so don't misunderstand what I'm saying here, amen. I'm simply saying to you, dear friend, that you and I need to understand something. That the, the, the ability to make money and the ability to get a house and the ability to build something, all we do is a benefit from God and you ought to get the glory and the praise for all of it. How dare you say I, me. Nebuchadnezzar, I mean, uh, he said that, didn't he? This is the great kingdom which I have built. God said, I want to show you who gave it to you. You just crawl around for seven years, Nebuchadnezzar. You just eat grass like an animal. You just be a crazy man. When seven years is up, he stands up and I just want to say, he's the God of heaven. He deserves everything. Now, I think we'd just have a good old-fashioned revival if independent Baptists got happy. Amen. I ain't got one charismatic bone in my body, brother. Not one. Not one. I don't believe in babbling. I don't believe in saying the motorcycle's backwards real fast. I don't believe in falling on the ground shaking like a chicken. But I tell you one thing, sometimes they got that we don't. They got a little bit of praise and happiness and joy in their life. Now, I like your church. I really shouldn't preach on this. And I don't think anybody comes to this church and finds an unhappy place. I don't. Thank God for that. But don't ever let that happen. Don't come in here and let your burdens of life cause you to be a wet blanket. Your job is to exhort one another. Amen. Woo! I like my friend Ron, uh, Ed Bragg. He asked Brother Ed Bragg how he's doing. I've said it here so time. He says, save forever. <laughs> Had a good friend named Herbert Hoover, old man of God. He's with the Lord. Had a split between his teeth. I loved him. You say, Brother Hoover, how you doing? Rejoicing. I'm rejoicing. He had that smile. He would preach with that smile and that gap in his teeth. When I smile, I got a bling. I got bling. You see that? Ain't that cool? When I worked in the, in the, in the housing authority, all the kids say, Preacher got bling. Preacher got bling. I was going to get a diamond put in that thing. 
He always had a smile on his face. Rejoicing. Amen. Look at Psalm 40, verse 5. I got to hurry. I want to get you home before the night, nightly news. Amen. We'll be out of here before midnight, I promise. <laughs> Some of you think I'm serious. I just can't believe it. Lighten up. <laughs> You're saved forever. You're in the house of the Lord. Most of you aren't even sick. Wow. Psalm 40 and verse 5. Look at it. Many, O Lord my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done, and thy thoughts which are to usward. They cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. I love this passage of Scripture. The psalmist realized that God had given him many wonderful works, many blessings. He had loaded them. Can I tell you something? God's not stingy. Amen. The only reason we think God's stingy is because we're so selfish. The only reason we think God's not done us very good is because we're not satisfied with what we got when we've got more than any other country in the world has got. I'm going to meddle here again. I just can't help it. I'm sorry. I just don't understand why people leave a perfectly good $200,000 house to build a $500,000 house. I don't understand that, Brother O'Donnell. I mean, how many bedrooms can you sleep in at one time? You know what that says to me? You're all wrapped up in yourself. Now, don't get offended at your preacher for what I say, okay? Get mad at me. But to me, what it is, it's just an ego trip trying to show everybody how successful you are. I just wonder what would happen if you'd take that extra money and give it to the Lord's work. Oh well. <laughs> Look what he says. Many. Look what he says. They cannot be or reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. I was working in the salsa factory, and an old man would come in and get the, the slop off of the masa. He was a hog farmer. And he'd come in, and he'd always come in and talk to me because he knew I was a preacher. And he'd come and say to me, say, you know, preacher, he says, I remember everything since I was born except the time the wagon ran away with my little brother and my mother put a blanket over my face. And I used to think to myself, you are a liar. How can you remember everything since the day you were born? How many of you remember having your mama change your diapers when you were a baby? No. But I thought about, if I go back to as far as I can remember, I think I can remember some things at four years of age, maybe three. But if I tried to reckon up in order every blessing that God gave me to this point at 63 years of age. I cannot reckon them up in order. They are more than can be numbered. I'm just telling you, God's been good to us. God is good. All the time. All the time, God is good. By the way, you don't understand something, but tribulations are a blessing. Hello? They try that your patience, they, they, they strengthen or produce patience. The trying of your faith worketh patience. Let patience have its perfect work. Do you know that you'll never become strong? You'll never endure. You'll never amount to anything unless you go through adversity and struggles in life. Amen. Don't, don't get mad at them. Count them as a blessing. You know, cancer is a blessing. 
How can I be a blessing, Brother Houston? You know, when I, when I used to try to talk to waitresses and stuff in the restaurant, and they didn't want to hear it. So all I have to do is say to them, you know, I can't eat that. You know, I can't eat that because I've got cancer. You know what they mean? You say, oh, I'm sorry. I have an open door. Cancer took down the shield. She immediately had pity for me. And I immediately had an open door. You know that everything you go through, God comforts you so that when you get done going through it, you can comfort others. Don't look at anything God gave you as bad. You know what he is? He's a master painter. I learned this in painting that the painter puts the dark part on first. So then he can put the light part on. I remember Dr. Hyle sitting, talking about sitting underneath his mom when she was doing some kind of needlepoint and looking up at the bottom and seeing all those crazy strings and everything and saying, Mama, what are you making? She said, I'm making a beautiful needlepoint. He said, doesn't look very pretty to me. She said, come up here, son, and look at my lap. And I tell you something, you may be looking at your life and say, God, what in the world's going on? And God's up in heaven saying, if you could see it from my point of view, it's beautiful. You won't be able to wait to see it. Amen. God doesn't need belly aching Christians. The world doesn't need to hear your belly aching. Amen. Well, we have benefits. The benefits of creation. How about the benefits of Christianity? How about salvation? That ought to make a Baptist shout. You know what, preacher, we've gotten over being saved. I will never touch hell for one millisecond. That ought to make a Baptist shout. That might even, Cody, that might even make a Baptist run around the auditorium once. You daring me? You're just a nut. I know. I'm screwed on the right bolt. Amen. So he said, Brother Houston, why are you so like you are? Well, because I used to be a football coach. And I never coached football like this. I wish this game would hurry up and get over. Oh, um, that game's boring me. Go, boys, go. Ken Graham came to our church one time and I was the football coach and he said that he was coaching their, their Christian school basketball team. One second, two seconds left on the clock, called timeout, set up a play, they ran to perfection, kid shot, the ball went down through the net. He said he come jumping off that bench, he ran out and grabbed that kid and they were dancing around. He went, way to go, way to go, way to go. And the Holy Spirit said, how's come you don't get that excited at church? And he said, I had a, I had a decision to make, either tone it down to basketball game or pick it up at church. Amen. And that day I said, you know what, God, I ain't toning it down at the football game, but I'm sure going to pick it up at church. Amen. You ought to be excited about being saved. It'd be okay if you ladies would take a hanky and wave it once in a while. I don't believe in all that emotion. No, until your son wins the, uh, makes, the, makes the winning basket. Until he hits the, uh, the walk-off home run. Until you get that new job. I think Jesus deserves more than they do. Amen. Hey, that's a minute. How about security? I give them the eternal life and they shall never perish. Now, I don't mean this in a way for you to be encouraged to go do something wrong. But you couldn't lose your salvation if you wanted to. I I, I tested if you could lose it. Can't lose it. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. That's a pretty good benefit, isn't it? There's nothing more miserable than living your life not sure you're going to heaven. 
There's nothing more miserable than living your life thinking that every day you've lost your salvation. I'm glad it's eternal life. How about that? Hey, how about serenity? Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Amen. Amen. He says you shouldn't even be staying up late and worrying about it. Let the Lord build the house. Amen. Safety is the Lord. He says, you know what? I give my beloved sleep. About couldn't get up. Amen. Be careful for nothing but everything by prayer and supplication, which requests be known unto God and the peace of God. The world is looking for peace, brethren. They can't find it in drugs. They can't find it in alcohol. They can't find it. They can't even find it in their marriages. Because peace comes from God. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Hey, how about supplication? Call unto me. Ask and ye shall receive. Aren't you glad you got a prayer answering God? Aren't you? Hey, he, he, he hears this, the voice of his children. Amen. Hey, how about strength? Yea, I will strengthen thee. He said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for thee. Can I tell you something? If you're going to serve Jesus, you're going to go through some things. One of our problems is we think we get saved. Everything ought to be cool. Nothing ever ought to happen to us. I got news for you. If you get saved, guess what? The devil's going to come after you. And if you decide to get sold out for the Lord, the devil's really going to come after you. But I got peace like a river. I got peace like a river. You know, I got some problems. You know, I, I've spent six months, and I don't belabor this, six, six years dealing with cancer. You know, I've had peace through the whole thing. You know what? Look, it's in his hands. I'm going to live or die. That's simple. And if I die, I know where I'm going. You know, I said, I don't want my cancer to make my family miserable. There are some of you Christians in here, you can't stand to go through anything without making everybody miserable. You don't have to do that. Casting all your care on Him for He cares for you. And don't be worried about it. Just give it to the Lord. And He'll give you serenity. Amen. Hey, I don't even know if I'll get a love offering this week. I ain't worried about that. I'm okay. I'll take it if you give it to me. I don't travel for love offerings. I got peace. Amen. (laughs) How about supply? He supplied you well, hasn't he? And the Bible says, my God shall supply all your needs. He didn't say your greeds. And my wife and I have always had something to eat, but it wasn't always filet mignon. And we got closets full of clothes, so many clothes that we want to put more clothes in, we got to take a jack and split them. But we bought them at Goodwill. Because I think that's smart. I think it's pretty stupid to go down there and pay $700 for a suit you can get for 12 bucks when the guy gets tired of it. Oh, I got to do this. What am I wearing tonight? Joseph A. Banks. Woo! I heard those pretty expensive. Goodwill. (laughs) Turn with me, if you would, very quickly to Psalm 103. Psalm 103. We saw, blessed be the Lord who daily loads up a benefit. We saw that His works towards us cannot be rendered up in order more than can be numbered. If you ever just get to the place where you think you've thanked God for everything, you need to just think that you haven't thanked God for everything. Psalm 103, verse 2, look at it with me if you would, please. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, 
and forget not all his benefits. Can I tell you what happens to us? We forget today what God did for us yesterday. Some of us have forgotten where God brought us from and where he's brought us to. Some of us have forgotten that day we got saved. Some of us have forgotten that time when we had a sick child and we prayed and we asked God and God reached down and touched our child for us and we had a burden and a problem and we took it to the Lord and said, Lord, I don't want to go. And God answered and He answered our prayer and we have forgotten the blessings. You know what? God doesn't have to bless me. And if he doesn't bless me today, I sure got enough things that I can remember that I don't have to get upset about it. Amen. The Bible says the children of Israel soon forgot God. We got a lot of people tonight, preacher. They're saved. They're members of Baptist churches. And they're not at church on Sunday night because they have really forgotten how good God's been to them. They don't come back on Wednesday because they've forgotten all that God's done for them. Don't forget his benefits. And lastly, here's the message. <laughs> you say, I thought that was the message. No, here's the message. Psalm 116, very quickly. 116. And my Father, I sure love you tonight. I sure hope that somehow you use me to be a blessing. Psalm 116, look at verse 12. What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? Here's the message, don't miss it. He daily loads us with benefits. They can't be rendered up in order. They're more than can be numbered. We should never forget them. And every one of us in here tonight ought to ask ourselves this question. What shall I render unto the Lord for all the wonderful goodness He's done to me? The word render means to pay back or give in return. Can I tell you something? It surely must break the heart of God when He asks His children to do things and we say I'm not doing that and even some of us maybe have the attitude I don't owe you anything can I just ask you a question the fact that God created you and gave you everything you have and then he saved your soul is there anything God could ask of you that you shouldn't be willing to give him. I want you to praise me. I want you to love me. I want you to pray. I want you to go to church. I want you to give your tithe. I want you to study to show yourself approved. I want you to give. I want you to go sow in and tell people about me. I want you to live holy, righteous, abstaining from even the appearance of evil. Is there anything God could ask of me that I should not willingly say, yes, Lord, yes, Yes, Lord, yes, yes, I'll pray. Yes, I'll read your Bible. Yes, I'll go to church. Yes, I'll be a preacher. Yes, I'll be a missionary. Yes, Lord, I'll give whatever you want, whatever you ask, whatever you seek. You can have it. I'm yours. Thank you for saving. Thank you for being so good to me. How about we just give God everything tonight? Yep. That's good. How about we just quit holding out on God? 
How about we just come to an altar tonight and just say, Lord, here I am from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet to the tip of my fingertips. Everything I am, everything I have, it's yours. Romans 12, 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, not preachers, that ye present your body a living sacrifice. Have you, if you haven't done this yet, you're not doing what God wants. You need to come to an altar and say, God, here I am, all of me. I'm yours. For you to have me sacrifice in any way you want to. The benefits of God. Let's stand. Father in heaven. I thank you for.